podcast is brought to you by CEW Plus at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor as we work to serve our community during this unprecedented time of change. Resiliency is best demonstrated in times of challenges. Join CEW Plus Director Tiffany Mara as she talks to students, staff, faculty, and community members connected to the University of Michigan's Center for the Education of Women Plus in our podcast, Strength in the Midst of Change. Today's podcast features Sandra Idarosa, CEW's new Associate Director. She's worked at U of M since 1991, lending her social work experience to healthcare settings, developing staff to advance in their own career trajectories. Sandra, I'm so honored to have the chance to work with you to advance CEW's mission. Can you please introduce yourself and what drives you in your work? Yes, thanks, Tiffany. As you mentioned, my name is Sandra. I have been with the university for a long time. Really what drives me in my work is really a desire to improve processes and experiences for those we serve, whether it's a health system or currently at CW+. I'm very passionate about looking at people whose voices may be not always heard and they may be underrepresented. So my driving force is to be able to give voice to those folks and have a seat at the table. Excellent. Thank you. Why did you decide to pursue social work as a career? Social work, I think, as a profession borrows elements from sociology as well as psychology. And I like that it blends both of those so that really social work really looks at individuals in the context of their environment. And I really like that perspective. You know, we're all shaped by our environments and our experiences, and we can't really artificially separate those elements from the individual. So really understanding behavior and barriers in the context of an individual's environment really helps us understand their motivations, you know, their family culture, their larger culture, their belief system you know, how they view the world. So I like social work because that's very central to the philosophy of the profession is the individual in their environment and how that impacts the way they sort of navigate the world. And that has always been an interest of mine. When I was in college, I took a lot of psychology classes and I love them, but I don't feel that psychology took the environment into account as much as social work does. And I really felt like that was a missing piece. So when I decided to go to grad school, I chose social work primarily because of that perspective. Yeah, when you talk about the environment, what all gets kind of built into that term? You're right, it's a broad term. When I think of environment, I think of it on many different layers. I mean, your environment is the family in which you grew up in, what, you know, your belief system, the values that your family had, your neighborhood, who were you surrounded by, what kinds of experiences did you have in school, what kinds of things motivated your family, what kinds of values that they instill in you. For instance, if you're someone who's going to college for the first time in their family, that's going to be a very different experience than if someone whose family has always you know, gone to college, the parents have gone to college, and they already have that experience for you as their child can draw upon. But if you haven't had that experience, when you come to 
someplace big, say like the University of Michigan, you don't have that backdrop of being able to ask your family, what was it like for you? How can I navigate you know, X, Y, or Z? So that environment of not having had that experience is going to shape that individual's experience of when they first you know, get on a campus, whether it's here or anywhere else. So when I think of environment, I think of what experiences has the individual had that may shape how they experience a new situation and who are their resources to help them through uh, a situation that's new to them. So that's what I think of when I think of um, environment is really looking at the person in the context of what has shaped them and what information they've had and how many resources have they had because not everyone comes to use the student as an example, not everyone comes to college with the same experiences or the same readiness. Yeah, thanks for breaking that down. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it fits within the holistic perspective that counselors take at CEW. It seems like a, you know, great fit. You know, in your transition to CEW, what most excites you? I think the thing that really motivated me to pursue you know, this opportunity, and I do see it as an opportunity. That's why I'm so excited about it is that, you know, most of my experience has been in a very large system, which is the Michigan Medicine, which is, as you know, very big and has lots of different, you know, branches. And what excited me or still excites me about CEW Plus is that it's very community-based. And I wanted a different experience to be more in the community in which it serves. Michigan Medicine serves people from everywhere. And I think that's great because people come to get specialized care. And I think, you know, I'm very proud of the work that Michigan Medicine does and the kinds of services it provides to patients across the state and across the country and sometimes from around the world. But CW Plus, to me, felt like a different experience to be part of the community that it serves, both the university community and the surrounding Ann Arbor community for its faculty and staff and other community members. And I really wanted that experience to be closer to the people who are actually going to avail themselves of those services. I think that's what really motivated me to be part of CW Plus is to be more embedded in the community and to be able to give back to the community as much as possible because we all live and work here. One of the things that impressed me as I've learned about you is your long history of creating collaborations across U of M to create change. What has been your approach to collaboration? I think collaboration to me is partnerships and I think collaboration is the act of finding common ground and looking for opportunities that enrich both parties, whoever your partner is, in carrying out their respective mission and that speak to you know, our respective values. So to me, looking for opportunities in collaboration is to be able to find something that speaks to both entities and will advance what they really want to do. And if we have something that will help another department or another entity to carry out their mission and vice versa, 
I like the synergy that's created with collaboration because it makes both entities stronger. It helps bolster what they can do for their constituents and you know their clients. And I think the art of partnerships and collaboration is sometimes it's not obvious, you know, what's in it for me if I partner with you. And sometimes those questions are not always obvious. I think to be able to outline, look, if we partner together, this is what could potentially happen. And this is how you might benefit and how we might benefit. So the idea is really to look for those opportunities. And if it's not obvious, you know, really helping to draw out, this is what I think will help us both. And that's what's exciting to me about collaborations and partnerships is that sometimes the benefits are not immediately in our face, but if we dig a little deeper, we can find opportunities that maybe aren't always front and center. When you look back at your time working as a social worker, are there moments that you're particularly proud of? Yeah, I would say that I guess I would answer your question in a couple of different ways. When I worked more as a clinical social worker and did more micro work, you know, one-on-one with clients, I think I really learned the power of what one person can do to advocate and support someone in a situation that perhaps they've never been in before. They might be frightened. They might be worried. I remember thinking that listening to someone is an act of compassion. And sometimes I think that for all of us, just being heard changes everything. And I remember sitting with people and just listening and letting them tell you their story can be so powerful and being able to use that information to advocate for, you know, change or to help them or support them in whatever situation they might be in. So I'm very proud of being able to do that for clients and you know in the healthcare system so many people come there sometimes as a last resort because they've have had some bad news and are looking for other answers and really just talking and sitting with people in those moments is very powerful i'd say that the second part of your question is more as a social worker in in a more administrative role and leading teams I would say that I'm proud of the fact that I've been able to use my clinical experiences to inform decisions on that level and to help mentor staff to actually use their experiences to write abstracts, to present at conferences, to let other people know the kinds of work that social workers can do and how they can change processes and start new initiatives. So I'm really proud of my role in that, to be able to mentor staff and to grow teams, look at new initiatives and grow some of those programs. So I'd say both of those, both as a clinical social worker and more as an administrator, how we can advocate for people and let their voices be heard from a different vantage point. But really, it's the same work. Yeah, one of the things I've learned um, at CEW and working with visiting social activists is how taxing advocating for others can be and the work of advocacy. I don't know if that applies within social work, but I do wonder, 
you know, throughout the pandemic where you were leading a team and also balancing work, family life, and responsibilities, how did you manage self-care and balancing all of the responsibilities that you were faced with? You're absolutely right. I think advocacy work under the best of circumstances can be very taxing and sometimes can lead to burnout if one is not careful about also bringing in self-care and having opportunities to replenish whatever that might mean you know, for each individual. I think the pandemic really highlighted, you know, the, the kinds of stress. We were all under a lot of stress in the world, in our society. We had to change processes very quickly, which also brings a lot of stress. Uh, most of us, you know, started working remotely. That was a whole new way of working that we had not done before and we didn't know how to do setting up processes you know technology which was very new to most of us I mean who had ever heard of zoom before the pandemic Uh, I don't think most of us really knew what that was nor did we appreciate how much we would become reliant on zoom to stay as connected as we could so the work-life balance became very difficult because the boundaries were so blurred I heard someone describe Working from home during the pandemic is really sleeping at work because there were no boundaries. You know, you were home all the time and you had access to the computer. So when do you stop working? It's not like you're getting in your car and going home at five o'clock and there's a natural division between your work life and your home life. When those divisions are no longer there, it is incumbent on the person to build in some of those boundaries. And it's hard depending on you know, what your work is and how committed you might feel and something's never really finished so I can finish it after dinner and that's a slippery slope. I think supporting a team during times when the stress is very high and the boundaries can get blurred is challenging. I think one of the things that I did regularly was to really encourage people that when they were off, they were off. They were not to, you know, look at email. Please just take the time to be with your family, to, you know, go take a walk outside, whatever it is that replenished you, read a book, you know, watch Netflix. If that's what you wanted to do and it made you feel good, you know, do it. We did a lot of cross-training so that people were allowed to have as much time as they needed. Unfortunately, I think the pandemic and the responsibilities of childcare and remote schooling for school age kids fell disproportionately on women and moms. And social work as a profession tends to be more female, um, representing more females than men. And so on my team, for instance, there were a lot of moms who were trying to balance childcare and a lot of childcare places were closed during the pandemic. So there were even fewer options for some of our parents. So I think what was very instrumental was to build a community within the team so that people were empowered to help each other and to allow people to take the time that they needed in order to take care of their families. I didn't want people to feel like, you know, my problem is only mine because it wasn't, it was a societal issue. So we had regular meetings to talk about What do we need to do? How do we best support 
the clients that we're serving because, of course, we had to continue to do that and we wanted to, but then how do we take care of ourselves? We had goofy Zoom parties. We had a cookie decorating on Zoom, which was hilarious because everybody was in their own little square decorating cookies. And we just did silly things that we never would have done before because we didn't need to do it before, before we were together. So I think to really try to be as creative as possible to support people. Many people felt very isolated because they were, especially if they lived alone, for instance, as many people do, they couldn't get out. So really trying very hard to meet them where they were. I did a lot of one-on-one talks with folks, especially as they were struggling with some of these issues of isolation and disconnection. It has been a hard time. And I think remembering that and reminding people that you are not alone, you know, you have a lot of support, It's not because you are someone who can't cope. It's because the situation is really pushed the boundaries for all of us in terms of what we were able to cope with because no one's ever lived through this before. So it's not like we could say, hey, the last pandemic I did X, Y, and Z. There was no last pandemic in our lifetime. I'm really reminding people of that. You know, social workers are good in terms of understanding the process of change, But understanding something and living with it are not always the same thing. So really reminding people of the skills we have and being able to allow ourselves the grace to live it and experience it. Did you have any particular go-to self-care practices that you utilized to maintain your own self-care? Well, for me, I used a lot of humor to cope. So... I regularly would watch, you know, funny movies or, you know, things to just make me laugh. You know, I would watch stand-up, you know, comedians on Netflix and things like that. That helps me because that's my go-to is to just, you know, to find humor because that's a distraction for me. I'm a very social person, so I had to very intentionally set up Zoom meetings with my friends and family that I wasn't able to see because even though it's not the same as being in the same room and maybe sharing a meal, it still provided me an outlet to be able to see people, even if it's on the screen. I love to read, so that's an escape for me. Uh, I did anything I could to not just pass the day because it feels really passive, but to be able to do things that brought me pleasure and replenishment. And I encourage everybody to do that. I'm not somebody who runs, but there are people who do a lot of that. And I encourage people on my team to you know, do what you need to do. You know, as long as it's not harmful, I love to cook. So I cook a lot during the pandemic. And thank goodness for elastic waist pants because <laughs> they were forgiving of my hobby. I perfected my bread making. So I now know how to make bread. So I did what I could to just keep myself busy and occupied and distracted, you know, and try not to think too much about the things I can't control. Yeah. You know, you mentioned comedy, and one of the things that we like to post when we post up podcasts are recommendations from the person being interviewed. Do you have any movie or book recommendations or favorite comedians? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Some of the comedians that I listen to, I love Jim Gaffigan because he's just sort of every day, 
you know, an everyday humor. He's very relatable about, you know, really silly things in the world. So I listen to him sometimes. I love documentaries as well. Yeah, we've covered a lot, but I'm wondering if there's anything else you'd like to share that I haven't asked about. I think the only thing I would add is just, you know, how incredibly fortunate I feel to have had years of working as a social worker and particularly fortunate, I think, to find myself at CW Plus now. You know, when I was a student here at U of M, you know, as a freshman, I remember, you know, going into the CW at that time, going into the office because there was nothing remote or electronic and checking out books about careers because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do and just using them as a resource. And I remember you know, the reputation that it had at that time and still enjoys today. And so I feel really fortunate that this has been such a part of my community and that, you know, now I'm fortunate enough to be a part of it on the inside. So I feel very fortunate and happy that I have this opportunity to contribute to the reputation and the good work that the center has always done. Yeah, Likewise, we feel fortunate to have you joining us with all of your expertise Thank you so much for taking time today, and it's really been a pleasure to get to know you a bit more through this podcast. Thank you, Sandra. You're welcome. Thank you as well. Thank you for listening to CEW's podcast, Strength in the Midst of Change. To learn more about this episode or the services and virtual programming offered by CEW+, please visit cew.umich.edu. Here at CEW+, we navigate circumstantial barriers by providing academic, financial, and professional support to help you reach your personal potential. Established to support women through higher education, we lift up women and all underserved communities at the University of Michigan and beyond. Through career and education counseling, funding, workshops, events, and a diverse, welcoming community, we exist to empower. We are CEW+, and we are here to help you reach your potential. The University of Michigan resides on the traditional territories of the Three Fires peoples, the Ojibwa, Adawa, and Potawatomi.